Today we continue our discussion on how to invest in someone else by exploring the options for both one-to-one and small groups. Hopefully you're already doing this. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. There are a lot of ways you could spend your time, so thank you for including me on your journey. Well, we have covered very, very lightly why you should be investing in other people. And hopefully you are actively doing that. You understand that our role as disciple makers uh, really really requires us to invest in other people. So you're actively doing that. And we covered who you should invest in, kind of looking at how you select out of all of the options that you have for people around you. How do you select that person that you really should invest in? And finally, we covered just a little bit about some introductory thoughts about how or what you do when you disciple someone. Looking at three big areas, you know, character development, general spiritual growth, and ministry skills. So today, I want to kind of sort of wrap up that last thought about how how you do it, what you should do when you're together, with some ideas about that actual meeting time, the format for getting together for a disciple-making, intentional disciple-making meeting. And this could be one-to-one, it could be in a small group, but when you're intentionally meeting with other people for the purpose of helping them to grow, how do you do that? And I'd have to start by saying there's no wrong way to do it, and I'll come back to that again later. There's no wrong way to do it. Just try. Try something. And you can always modify it as you go, but really, you want to do something. As you think about that something, what is it that I should do? What can I do? What are my options? I'm going to put these under three big options, and really you could subdivide these more. But broadly speaking, I'm going to give you three big ideas of what you can do with the time that you have, and then we'll look a little bit at the format for how you use the time you have. The three big categories to consider when when I think about meeting with someone, there's using a book, there's going through a book of the Bible, and then there's studying a topic, which there's overlap between that and using a book. So let's go back and go through those a little bit. Using a book, and by that I mean if you're working with someone who's a parent, and particularly a parent of young children, you may want to use a book like uh, Trips Shepherding a Child's Heart. That would be a great book to go through with a young man who is, you know, has a a two-year-old or has a, you know, a five and a three-year-old. You know, you have uh, an elementary school student. He's a child, he's a parent, and he's working with his children actively and recognizing that he'd like to do that intentionally and, and recognizing the need to grow in that aspect of being a disciple maker himself. You know, your first disciples are your children. So that will be an example of using a book kind of as a study guide. You know, you might go through that chapter by chapter. Uh, You might tell him to read however much, and then every week you just, depending on how quickly he reads and processes, or she, if it's a, you're working with a a young lady, um, or a couple, you know, this would be something where two couples could do this, would be a great topic where you have uh, an older couple, maybe your kids are out of high school or near the end of their time with you, 
and you've done well, and you're working with a couple who's on the other end of that spectrum where they're still learning and growing. To go through this as a couple uh, could be an awesome experience for a young couple who's looking at how do I grow as a parent? Because you have the book, which gives you some structure. And you know, I mentioned Shepherding a Child's Heart. If someone struggles with fear, maybe a book like Running Scared. Um, there are different books designed for men to read or for women to read or for dealing with different issues. So you have that book. The thing about it is you're not strictly restricted to that book, even though you're setting this up and saying, hey, we're going to go through this book together. One of the things you'll be doing is using the book as a a structure, a program to go through to guide your discussion, maybe to guide the topics you talk about. But any good book that you're going to choose for the purpose of disciple making is going to point you back to Scripture and is going to cause you to look at God's Word and say, what does God say about this? How does this relate to my walk with God? How does this help me to grow as a disciple maker? How does this affect my relationship with the church? All those are questions that you will ask as you do a a study of a book, if the book is any good. If if the book does not at all cause you to think about Scripture or, or consider your spiritual life, okay, that's not a book that I probably would ever choose. Not that there there might be something that's valuable, I don't know, but I, I would never choose a book that didn't point me back to Scripture and didn't cause me to think, how am I doing in my spiritual life? How is this book helping me to grow, and how is it pointing me toward the truths of God's Word? So there are lots of lots of options. You know, if you can go in person to a Christian bookstore, which do they even exist anymore? That's one of the the downfalls of our society that I, I think there are fewer and fewer Christian bookstores. But you can get on Amazon. Or uh, really, the best is from personal recommendations. If you have other people that have read a book that was valuable to them, make a note of it. You know, the book uh, Running Scared I mentioned, someone had mentioned that to my wife years and years ago, and then she read it and went through it with uh, a lady friend of hers. And then even after that, another year or so down the road, there was a small group of men that we were meeting and just thinking about who we were and, and what conversations continually came up, thought, this would be a good book at least to recommend to these guys and maybe to go through together. So there are lots of ways you can find books like that, but recommendation is one of the best. If you have somebody that reads one that goes, oh, this was awesome, well, that would be a good book to write down and think about. Using a book, that's an easy one. As you do that, I guess as a final thought, don't be restricted to the book. We kind of mentioned that it should point you back to Scripture. But a good idea is to have everyone read the chapter. So you're going to do chapter by chapter or a couple chapters at a time, depending on how often you meet. And if you're leading it, try to come in with some parallel Scriptures. What what does the Bible say about this topic? And how can we open up these chapters and how do they point us back, back to the truths of God's Word? And what does it mean to how we actually live? So use the book to point you to Scripture and use the Scripture and the book together to kind of initiate this discussion about how are we living? You know, the goal for us, if we are really focusing on the meat of the Word, is to be practicing what God says. So use the book study as a 
structural component, not necessarily place the place you're getting all the meat. You can bring in as much scripture and other things as you want to. So using books, the first big category. The second one would be just going through a book of the Bible. You know, if you were going through uh, a Bible study with a new believer, you might want to take something like Mark. Uh, it's action-packed, it's short, easy to go through. Somebody who's not sure they really are committed to this, something like that might be a great place to start. You're just going through this single book. It gives you clear limits. You know exactly how long it's going to take if you do it a chapter a week, which is typically what I recommend. Just because if someone can't make it, they can still read the chapter and know exactly where you are. If you're working with a group of men who are in business or uh, just in leadership of any kind, going through a book like Nehemiah and thinking about how God used Nehemiah and how these different principles of leadership are, they're not actively necessarily taught there, but you can see how Nehemiah was a good leader. Uh, you look at a parallel book and look at Ezra and look at Ezra and Nehemiah together, and you kind of see a lot about leading, particularly spiritually leading. So a book of the Bible uh, is always a good option. And I would say, depending on your group and how long you go on, at some point in time, you're going to want to do this, where you're just going through a, a book of the Bible. To go through uh, just a, a book that some guy wrote about different topics, one after the other, at some point in time, I always feel like, oh, you just want a little more. We just want to really get into God's Word. So I use those particularly with a certain group, depending on what your, your purpose is, that may be perfect. But a lot of groups, if you're going to be ongoing, to go through a book of the Bible or to go through, uh, you know, something like that is going to be necessary at some point in time, I believe. And again, that book of the Bible doesn't mean that you're necessarily limited just to that book. As you're going through uh, any book, going through Mark, it would be fine, perfectly acceptable to, even though the people coming may only have read Mark, you as the leader could go back and point to parallel passages in the Gospels, or point to other amplifications of this um, teaching throughout the New Testament. Things like that might be part of your relationship and your um, your group, depending on what kind of group you have and what your purposes are. There's going to be different styles and different formats, and we'll get to that a little bit more in a minute, but uh, that's perfectly good ways of doing that. You, you can get to the point where you're, you have a group that has become just another Sunday school class where you're just teaching. And I personally don't like to do that. It's one of the reasons I like using a book, for example. Everyone has read it and they can come with questions and comments and things that they learned from this book we're reading or from this book of the Bible. So we can have more of a discussion. I Really, a small group, uh, the benefit of that small group really is the, the fact that we can really have a personal discussion. We can talk about um, where we are and how this relates to, to who we are and where we are and what we need to do and talk about accountability. How can I live out these things? So if you just use it as another teaching opportunity, I, I think you're missing the value of having a smaller group or a one-on-one -on -one time. So we have two, using a book or going through a book of the Bible. The third one would be a topical study. And you could actually do a topical study where you had a, a book is guiding your topic, so there's a lot of overlap there. But when I was thinking a topical study, I was more thinking of going through the Bible and thinking about what it says about parenting. So you could go through shepherding a child's heart. That's more of a using a book as your study guide. 
you could just take the Bible and go through what the Bible says about parenting and use the Bible as your study guide. You could do that chronologically, go from the Old Testament through the New Testament and say, what do we learn that relates to our parenting? Um, or you could go through certain topics related to parenting. But there are lots of topics and study guides that kind of walk you through what Scripture says about lots of different topics. So a topical study um, is very, very helpful at times, depending on who you're working with, what kind of group it is. You know, if you have a group that is united, either like like parents or men, then topical studies are a lot easier to do. If you have a mixed group, say you have three, three couples that are getting together, you're still going to have topics that are going to relate. Marriage would be an obvious one. Relationships would be not. Conflict resolution. So lots of things like that might come into play. But a topic is uh, a third category of what, of meeting uh, styles, I guess you'd say. So there's no wrong, there's no wrong one. I'll just emphasize that again. Uh, it just depends on who's Who's involved? What needs there are? So pick one, get started, and and feel free to joke. Yeah, that one's not working. Change. If you get started with a book, you know, you buy a book and everybody has it, and you get started and go like, yeah, this is just not working for who we are, this group. Well, get rid of it and try something else. I mean, you're not locked in. Uh, I think the main goal for me as a disciple maker is that uh, we want to keep investing in each other and keep investing in our spiritual life. And if we need to change, that's that's perfectly fine. We can change the the content, the things we're looking at, the way that we're doing it, the structure, the format. That's all fine. But we want to keep investing in each other. We want to keep committed to that idea of spiritual growth and understanding what God's Word has to say. So for a format, and for all three of these, I think there's a basic format that I have used a lot that is just simple. I mean, I I really go by the KISS principle most of the time. I, I want to keep everything as simple as possible. Say for a one-hour meeting, which for some reason, I never have one-hour meetings. I, I tend toward, uh, we have two hours or two and a half hours, but part of that is if you have a relationship and you're enjoying each other's company and you enjoy the discussion, then if people have time, it's easy to go an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, uh, and really enjoy that conversation, that time together. But if you're working with people who have severe time restrictions, you're just getting started, um, it is it's a good idea to kind of think about your time and, and stick to it to some degree. So, for an example, a one-hour meeting. I would say still, even though you only have one hour, give 15 to 20 minutes to start that are primarily focused on the relationship. You know, the community is so important. So you have a small group. The value of the small group over time is that you build a relationship where you can speak deeply to each other's lives. So you need time to do that. You need time just to share this is how this week's going. These are the struggles I've had. These are the victories I've had. These are uh, the details. You, you need that. That's part of how you get to know each other. So start with fellowship. Catch up on the week. Um, often, if you're listening, you will hear prayer requests that come out during this time, just of kind of not free talk. You really are kind of intentionally trying to maybe guide the question, guide with a question or um, make sure that we're not just all over the place. But it, you can intentionally um, maybe ask a question, what did you learn this week? What were your struggles of the week? Or what were your victories? Kind of guide the conversation a little bit, but it's more or less free conversation. But if you listen, you'll often hear the hints of prayer request. 
Uh, and sometimes you want to follow up on those. Sometimes you'll come back to those when you get to the prayer time. A lot of people leave prayer time to the end. So if I'm saying start with 15 minutes of just kind of conversation, fellowship at the beginning, a lot of people say, well, 15 minutes of prayer time at the end. And it ends up being, well, one person pray and it takes a minute because they ran out of time because the the main part of the study and the discussion gets interesting and, and takes so long that they don't they run out of time to pray. So I really recommend right after the fellowship and kind of getting warmed up and catching up on life and take a time for prayer. And one of the ways to do that time of fellowship is actually to go around and say, you know, what's a prayer request that you have? What is uh, one thing that, that God's taught you this week? You know, you can be very specific. One of the things that, that I've done quite a, a bit that I really like is using the idea of one verse, one thought, one minute from the simple journaling. You know, you're, if you're journaling and you have that uh, key idea that you're writing down every day, that key thought, it's easy to encourage people to bring in their journal and say, well, okay, just share one of the things that you've learned this week. And if you're keeping that kind of short, you wouldn't have to keep it to a minute. If you have five or six people, you might can do two or three minutes, but you have a chance to share that one thing and how it related to your week. And then the details of your week come out a little bit too, but that kind of gives some structure to your fellowship. And then it leads very naturally into the prayer time. So you can do 15 minutes, 20 minutes of fellowship, then another 15 minutes of prayer. Or one thing I really like to do is combine those where we've often had a men's group. We would go around and say, um, one verse, one thought, one minute, and then share one prayer request, and the next person could pray. Or uh, you have each person pray for the person in front of them or behind them, or go a couple people and then pray. But you're kind of combining this sharing the week, what you're learning, and not getting too much distance between sharing that and the prayer. Where if you get have eight people and you everyone goes through their prayer request, and then at the end, you have to have taken really good notes to remember it. But if you do it right afterward, you know, this person shares, person be praised right away, and then person B shares, and person C praised right away. Uh, I, I like that method of doing it. You're kind of combining these first two sections of fellowship and prayer into one one time. Either way, you're getting that in before you get to the Bible or book discussion, which would take the last half of the meeting. It really helps if everyone has read ahead of time. So I really encourage whatever method you choose, make sure everyone knows what it is and they've read the chapter, they've read the book, um, they've read the passage ahead of time. And then in a one hour time frame, you don't necessarily have a lot of time, you're able to refer back and maybe just read a key verse, key section, but you're able to refer back to the passage or back to the book, turn to a certain page and look at it without having to read the whole passage together. If you're going to read the whole passage together, it's going to be hard to have a meaningful discussion in an hour. So if you're going to have an hour as your time limit, you really need people reading ahead of time. If you have two hours, fine, you can read the chapter while you're together. And that, there's quite a bit of value in taking that time just to read Scripture together as well. So it's a super simple format. I mean, you can expand that easily. You can add things like share a memory verse or uh, reading the, the passage together, you know, makes it a little longer. So easily, if you have an hour and a half, it's it's easy to go a little longer well, with discussion or at the fellowship. Or if you have two hours, two and a half hours, I, I love to have times when you're eating together. I think that fellowship around the meal just slows everything down. You have longer discussions. I, I just think there's a lot of value in that, whether that's meal before or after. Uh, either way, that time is super valuable.
for another completely different idea and option for formats for doing a, a small group Bible study or investing in someone at a even a one-on-one -on -one level, you can do a discovery Bible study. And if you look up discovery Bible study, there are tons of resources available for discovery Bible studies. They're really geared toward um, evangelistic or new believer Bible studies. But even in investing in someone else on a one-on-one -on -one level, you can use this same kind of format. And I think it's it's got a lot of value. So I'm going to give you an example that's modeled on the one you'll find at dbsguide.org. DBS is Discovery Bible Study, so dbsguide.org. And it gives you seven steps. And it's, it's really, really good. Seven steps. The first one is get real. And this is community or fellowship. So you begin by asking a couple of guided questions to help uh, just kind of guide this first part of fellowship and pull away from just talking about the weather or sports, but talk about something more meaningful. So questions like, what are you thankful for? Uh, what's causing you stress or concern this week? Uh, who needs our help and how can we help them? You know, asking practical questions about us investing in each other's life. Um, the second section is look back. And this would be review. This is a really good idea, particularly if you're going through like a book of the Bible, to look back. What did we cover last week? Because usually this week flows from last week. So a good idea is to have someone retell the basic concepts from last week. And then to ask a couple of questions like, what did you do differently this week because of what we studied last week? Or who did you tell about this? It's one of the things you'll find in a Discovery Bible study. They really encourage you to tell other people. That's something we should always be looking to do. So to look back and review. And then the way that they look at the day's study, and they kind of have guides. There's different stories throughout the Bible, and they take these big picture stories of creation, of the flood, of, you know, David and Goliath, you know, of um, maybe one of Paul's messages um, you take that Bible passage and one person reads it and they read it out loud and everybody else follows along. You know, they have their own copy of the scripture and they're reading along. And then once they're done, someone else retells it. So someone reads it and then someone without looking then retells it. And what this does say, you need to pay attention. Are you listening? Are you really hearing what's said? And once they're done, people kind of fill in. Did you miss anything? You know, anything you should have emphasized a little more in your retelling of it. And what that does is kind of encourages everyone to pay attention when we're reading it, be aware you may have to retell it, and you're really thinking about how would I retell it? What are the key things? What are the key truths in this passage that we need to catch? Uh, it's a really good way of doing it. Once you've read it, you've looked at the passage, now you have the truth you're looking at, then you look at it a little deeper. So the fourth step is to look. The third one is to read and retell. The fourth one is to look. So it's the deeper look at the passage. And a lot of times they'll say, read it one more time. After someone retells it, read it one more time, and then discuss what the passage says about God, about Jesus, about sin, about all of these primary doctrines, teachings of the Bible. Once you've looked at that, then you look again. The fifth one, so your fourth is look, fifth is look again. This is a more specific look at the implications of the passage for us. So this is thinking about people. You read it. A lot of times, again, look through it again. It's like, okay, we've looked at the big doctrines, and then how does that actually relate to people, to to uh, to humans? And then 
The sixth one, once you've looked at general doctrine and more specific, how does it relate to people in general, then number six is a personal application. You're going to stop and consider what does this passage say to me, about me, something that I need to, to take away from this passage. So you might ask, according to what we studied today, what am I doing well? You know, a lot of times we read the Bible and we're encouraged, hey, I'm doing this. Other times you may look at it and ask the question, what do I need to change? Either way, you have to come to that point where you understand the passage well enough that you get to the point you say, how does this apply to me? What am I supposed to do differently because of this? What am I supposed to think differently? So you get to that point in number six here of asking the question, what do I need to do differently? How am I doing? And then the seventh one is this one that I think is so powerful, makes this a great way to study the Bible with someone. You ask, who else? Who else needs to hear this truth? How can I tell them? When can I tell them? Uh, Who could I invite to study the Bible with me or to join us? Because we're always thinking about this idea of reproduction. We want to see other people come to know Jesus as we know him. We want to see other people grow. So who are people that we know that we can invite into um, just the presence of God in his word? So I'll go over that real quick again. If you want to get the show notes on uh, runwithhorses.net, this should be in the show notes. But there's seven steps. First is get real. That's the community. Second is look back, review. Third is read and retell. Focusing on understanding what the the passage says. Look. This is a deeper look, particularly thinking about those big teachings, the the major doctrines of the Bible. How do we see those in this passage? Five is look again. Now we're looking at how does this relate to people, to us as the church, as, as Christ followers. Sixth is very personal application. What do I need to do personally different because this passage is true? How do I need to think? How do I need to act? And then seven is who else? Who do I need to talk to? Uh, about this passage? Who do I need to tell about this? Who do I need to invite into a relationship with uh, God's Word or with with Christ? If I'm going to share the gospel with someone based on what I've studied today, it's all good questions to ask. So, what do I like about this format? No teacher required. If you don't feel comfortable teaching, you can still lead a Bible study like this because it doesn't require you to know everything. It's a group discussion. What do I not like about it? No teacher required. There's potential for one person derailing the conversation or trying to teach their opinion rather than sticking to the truth of the passage. But I think it's worth it. The risk is worth it. Uh, You can use this one-on-one or in a small group. Uh, It has the potential to be super profitable for everybody. And I think every person should be able to do a study like this. If you're a Christ follower, you should be able to lead a discovery Bible study Look it up. I think it's valuable. There's no wrong format for a Bible study, for a discipleship meeting, for discipling someone. There's no wrong way to do it. You you just have to jump in and you learn as you go. You just try to do what the Bible says. The only failure is failure to try. So this is go back to what the Nike slogan, just do it. Pick a format and try it. Uh, you don't have to pick one of these. There are lots of other formats. Just get together with somebody and talk about what God's teaching you and pray together and, and read a passage of Scripture together. That's worthwhile. If it doesn't work, modify it until it does work. Thanks for joining me today. Write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. Let me know how your Bible study is going. 
Uh, keep investing in others. Keep pursuing Jesus yourself. You know, it's it's often difficult. It's very challenging, but it is always worth it. So whatever you do, keep running. <laughs>